is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Series 7, episode 27. And as I've said a few times uh, throughout the course of this seventh series, Craig Hutchison has been in career-best sounding board form. And uh, not only is that the case, I feel he's about to go to new levels today. He's coming with a spring in the step, a smile on the face. I've got no idea what's about to come. I hope it's not against me, uh, Craig Hutchison, but you want to bring something to the standing board table, which you think, and I've got no idea what it is, sums up this show. Well, that's not true. Spring in the step or smile on the face. In fact, it's, not, it's an unfortunate story rather than a, oh. rather than a uh, fortunate one. So just to correct you there. But good morning to you. It's early. It's Tuesday morning. It's been a wild week in media. We're going to deal with the Crows situation throughout the course of the hour because it strikes at the heart of journalism and perception. And it does. Media trust and our first issue this morning is an unfortunate byproduct of that. So I'm going to oh. deal, deal with that in a moment. How has your week been, by the way? Yeah, I, I don't think I've been the focus of any blue at this stage, Hachi, but I don't know what you're about to say. So you did might you get, um, be creating one for me. Did you get doorstopped by Max Becker as you walked in <laughs> last week? No, someone suggested that on our <laughs> questions, which we'll get to at some stage today. So, uh, yeah, that wasn't my finest moment no. last week when you. Have uh, you actually found a way to back down now and find a time to be. No, I've told Max I will do it once the season's finished. Oh. <laughs> because what, what's also a play here, Hachi, is it? is an SEN product that uh, that Max appears on. So you, you've got the vested interest too in the, no, no, in the, the product. No, re- no. The request he's asking for is his own private podcast. Okay. Sporting Max. <laughs> not the Kids Edition, Damo. I'm not just the kids. <laughs> yeah, I know that. So the Kids yeah. Edition is like your cup of tea. <laughs> hey, we do need to straighten up here for a minute. Yep. There's a... So, first of all, a couple of disclaimers. I am retired from journalism. I take no interest in um, coming across this information. Sometimes I... D- often I do and it goes... It stays with me because of the role I'm in. But I feel this issue today is one we need to discuss. And Before you go any further, is this going to be me-focused? No. Oh, phew. okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, now, now, have, now I'm invested in what you're about to say, Hutchie. But we need to have a serious chat about this, and it'll be a little bit easier than you that, for you than me to make comment on it because I'm probably a little vested in the industry. But here is the situation as it sits. The now infamous sports bet ad you did... Oh, wait, hang on, it is me. <laughs> ...has had an unfortunate knock-on effect on the career of Sam McClure. Sam McClure last Monday has resigned from the Age newspaper after a award-winning eight-year career, after a new edict from the newspaper that their identities can no longer read sponsor credits ads or live reads on commercial radio. That, that, what you just dropped there is a media story bombshell. Even though the business, Nine, owns a radio network as well as a newspaper. So in a situation that is absolutely the byproduct of the perceived embarrassment at their end of this sports bet ad and, and particularly the Media Watch coverage of it, Guy Acorn, the editor, with the support of the business, has driven a new policy in, which Sam McClure is the first victim of. Uh, my understanding is... Hang on, isn't it a... That would be a retrospective finding on that, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, Sam has hosted uh, Sports Day for us, and you would have seen the announcement that he's going to host Wide World of Sports for Channel 9 Yes, in recent times. Uh, my understanding is that that decision was only going to be approved by The Age if he did not read anything to do with a client of the program. Wow. Sam said that that is obviously impractical 
Um, well, it is on a commercial radio station, I would have thought. I think the... I, I don't, haven't spoken to the radio. Well, it's, it's not just impractical. I think it's impossible, isn't it? I, I don't think the radio arm of the business probably would have shared the same view if I was to guess their posi- position, given that they have presenters who host programs everywhere and occasionally write in the newspapers of the nine business. And Sam has stood down on the Monday and resigned from his career. Of course, he's, he goes back a long way there with his dad, who was yeah. a fantastic contributor to the paper. And it's Jeff McClure. A long-time legacy of the business. Coincidentally, the same week... Wednesday, the story that they backed away from that he helped drive with Caroline Wilson, the Eddie Betts book, and the, um, emerged. I understand that they've been reluctant to have him uh, appear or speak publicly as well on that front because- Why? Of their- um, legal- Because of their decision to apologise on his behalf for a story that has had great resonation around the entire media industry. That was midweek. And then by the weekend- Having seen the 72 hours of coverage of Eddie and Josh Jenkins on Friday and Bryce Gibbs on Saturday, the paper was seeking to reclaim its positions, having broken the story in the first place. There was a disclaimer on Caro's story on Saturday morning, which you may have seen. I saw a tweet, which I can't now find, by the way, from Gay Acorn on the weekend, asking why they weren't accredited in media for breaking the story. I've got that. I've got that somewhere. Someone sent us that. I'll, as you keep talking, actually, I'll find that one. And you know, my belief is they are now seeking to actually. Uh, reinstate the actual story oh, on, the, on the platforms that no. they took down in the first place. So, are they going to take away the apology? Are they going to apologise for apologising? Would, would that be the starting point? Yeah. Oh, there's a bit to take out. Yeah. We just said now, in the past that, few minutes. That's the second issue. Lot, people from the outside will think they're they're linked. These two issues. Yeah, you, know, you found the. Yeah, I've just found that tweet from, from Gay Alcorn, the editor of the Age. So, so the, this is on the morning after one of the the stories. So the Herald Sun reports on two significant stories in the Age today. Just ripoffs with no attribution or links. Unprofessional. We acknowledge other media when they break big stories, as do others such as the ABC, Guardian and The Australian. Yeah, I, I, have, I think that might have been since removed, has it, that tweet? I can't find it myself. Oh, so someone screenshotted it and sent it to us. So, yeah. Yep. Well, that I thought that was a parody tweet when I first saw it because you couldn't actually be trying to complain. Well, actually, about, hang on. Is it Gay Alcorn's? Well, you better show me the, the you better show me that so we can get this right before we go any further. Gay underscore Alcorn. Yeah, I think that's right. So it, it would be disingenuous to be trying to retrospectively complain that you haven't been attributed when you yourself have removed the original story from your own platforms and uh, conceded defeat on the legal side of things. And as I said very strongly at the time, I don't, you say I don't stand for much. I was big on this at the time that they didn't you were. Back, back their people, yeah. Sam or Caro at the time. Now, let, let's park that for a sec to use your words because that is, that's sort of the, the aftermath of this. And in the sad irony is that they are losing a very talented journalist who broke a very or helped um, develop a very big story. Yeah, on the back of a new policy that I think has even some staff scrambling now to check whether their uh, weekend gigs hosting. Hang on, just let me just backtrack over this because I'm t- trying to absorb a few layers to this uh, bombshell here, Hutchie, in a media sense. So the sports bet ads really got nothing to do with it. That, that's in the past. It's the well, commitment it, to future it, arrangements. I mean, it, and it started. It started this. So the the paper was embarrassed by that. I think ridiculously so. Like, they take wagering ads themselves. On the front page, you'll find a Harvey Norman ad on a weekend. They've got weekend. ads promoting the same company in the same yeah. paper, Hutchie. So how is, how is Sam McClure's story uh, in the sports pages with an adjacent ad is any different than him hosting a radio program with the ads I, adjacent to I it? I don't see a difference. It is absurd, Damo. I don't it's see a absurd. difference. It's absurd. So 
Okay, let's extend this down the line. Caro, who's also got very strong views on on sports wagering in this space, but she does work for organisations which throws to ads in the sports wagering space of programs that she's on. Where does that leave her in this arrangement? Now, she doesn't personally throw to the ad, but she's part of conversations that throw to a wagering conversation. Yeah, I I don't know. That would be a question for Caro and Probably her podcast, Don't Shoot the Messenger. And to be clear, I actually haven't. I, I, I went out of my way to avoid talking to Sam about this because I didn't want to be put in a position where I couldn't talk about it this morning. I felt I feel quite passionately about this demo. It, it is. So has he resigned for those reasons? He, he has resigned because he had to really, in essence, make a choice over radio versus newspapers because the newspaper business, which he loves, have put him in a position where he can't actually coexist and do the radio job as well, even though the company owns both platforms. It's not like it's Triple M or yeah. Fox FM. He's working it's for the same company for Nine's radio platforms as well as its newspaper platforms. But one arm of the business right. has made the newspaper arm has made a Chinese wall decision that it that it cannot be associated with or seen to be mentioning a brand. Even though when I go and buy an age today this morning, Damo, on the way to the airport, this there's a morning, chance to be a, a wagering ad in it. Well, it's not about wa- any ad. It's not. It's not about wagering. This no. is about any ad. Hey, Sam, any ad, Sam, oh. the edict from Sam, and I'm not certain that they even realised he'd done five or six years of radio and done it very, very well. By the way, well, yeah, I, I look at him more as a radio person than I do an age person. So the edict, the edict from the newspaper, I think the age has been lucky to have him for as long as they've had. As him. best I understand it, is they did not want him, and I believe it's a broader policy than just him, associated with a brand of any description, Damo. Oh, <laughs> imagine you trying to wade through that. Well, you can imagine how how I view this. Like, well, yeah. so like we've talked a bit about the the link between the commercial world and the journalistic world for a long time. Mm. The commercial world is media. The product of journalism or content is an enabler to attract media dollars and or subscription dollars. If the age could run blank pages every day and attract the same revenue, they would. It is a business at yeah. the end of the day. And I am I understand journalistic integrity. I do too. And, but and we've discussed journalistic integrity on this on this show for the seven Sam, seasons we've done it. And, and beyond that, Hutchie, prior to this. But, but and I, I, I was once in the, let's go with the age camp on this. I think that was important. But in 2022, you're not going to survive as a media outlet unless you've got these types of arrangements well, central to the, the business operation. Well, that's that's an ABC-style approach to... Because once upon a time, circulation and the dollar and the, and the price attached to a to the purchasing of a newspaper was enough to, to at least keep operations afloat. No one's purchasing the physical copy of a newspaper anymore, and clearly subscriptions are, you know, a questionable part of business. Advertising is still the, and it, the main part of it. Everyone can make their own decision. If they wanted to be... A new, a, Across the counter owner only and take no ads, that's fine. Well, it doesn't work. That model doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work when your subscriptions are as low as theirs, but it's 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 a reality. So that's that's the byproduct. Sam, well, Sam has resigned. Th- th- there's no smoke screening around this. He's resigned for those reasons. You're not. He's talking out of context here with, what, with the reasoning well, behind him not I, I might, no longer working for the might, age. Someone will follow this up in the business media, and I might be embarrassed afterwards. But I'm prepared to put my reputation to the fact that he's gone and he's leaving. On on the back of not being able to read ads on radio. Yes. Wow. So he is going to host uh, Wild World of Sports, which is the 
um, the Product 9 are going to do against our sports day. So Great, great show. Just for, for the sake of full transparency, I don't have a dog in the fight on this. I'm just... I just think it speaks to the... Hachi, there's always a dog in any fight, in any conversation you have. It speaks to um, an extraordinary shift in the journalistic approach from the Age newspaper. Mm. I mean, look, some will say they're in their their right to do that. They can tell their people what they want them to do and not do. It is just Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is their right. It is awfully odd, however, when you own the the most um, longest-serving AM platform in the country. In places like Three W, Two GB, yeah. BC, and and, and the ones with the power in the the key markets, from that longevity sense and and the numbers that are just bolted on and rusted on listeners who will never turn off. Yeah, it's a, obviously it's a it's an older audience, but a very very strong one. So it's yeah, there you go. That's what's happened now. As okay. the president of the AFMA, what? <laughs> and the annual pie night, which has really been the two hours. This has of become work. your new bevo topic, hasn't it? This one. Well, <laughs> yeah. outside of those. Two hours a year when you get up and thank everyone for their support on the committee yeah. for, for just spending 364 days focusing on next year's pie night. <laughs> Could you now stand for something? Because you've been inadvertently part of – so I – just again to go over if you missed it back in the day. You're going to put this back on me now. The sports bet ad I thought was great and funny and had no issue with – I did have an issue with Sam doing it and I was honest about that. Because, I think you said that, yeah. Because I thought yeah. he had been critical of the wagering space and then yep. – So on that particular issue – I think they've taken that to an extreme, to the ultimate, the ultimate, the extreme. ultimate extreme of you're no longer, and I don't. He's not the only one. There are now staff who feel obliged to check off their, you know, um, weekend activities and social activities, and they're emceeing the school fate and all, all sorts of stuff coming up on the back of. Well, okay. What, what happens if where they? Does it, where does it, it begin and end? Well, where, what if one of their talent emcees a function at, at Crown Casino? This is going to be I mean, impossible to police. I mean, I don't. I, I think it's unpoliceable in yeah. the form you've presented it, Hachi. This is the the slipperiest slope to the end. Now, in the in the spirit of transparency, uh, we will give the age an opportunity to respond to this. <laughs> How are we can do that, Hachi. We're next, talking next week, oh, next week. <laughs> on the sounding board. But for today, it remains my view and opinion, and that's what it is. I would just hope that Sam might get an apology on his way out for for the age apologising on his behalf over this Adelaide Crows camp story at the start of this year or late last year, whenever it was. Because that, that's been made to look really silly right now, I would have thought. You know, with you just touched on it a few moments ago. So let, let's, have a look at, let's have a look at the, the Crows story. So let's go back to how it happened for a moment, right? This began, this was the chain of events. It begins Friday night on AFL Nation on the SEN platform when Danny Frawley Makes he did claim this as an exclusive spot. Well, it, be- it began with Danny. It be- he made observation, and I think almost had some humour attached to it on the events of the of what he had heard of the Adelaide camp. Sam McClure, in, in two thousand and eighteen. Sam McClure and I think Tom Morris were listening on that night, or made a worry of it on that night, or somewhere in between. By the Monday, both had followed up, developed it, and had a lot more meat on the bone. And the story went on the journey, and then I think Tom had a really strong early bite of it. And I think Sam really drove it, and then Caroline stepped in alongside Sam, and they Sam drove it right to the end, Hutchie. A lot of media picked up on it, but Sam was the one yep. who, who, personally, I think, took it all the way to the yep. to the end story. They didn't they didn't win a, a quill for the coverage. By this stage, no one's spoken. They're then sued by the the ages the age and nine are sued by the camp operators. Nine make what they 
admit, and again admitted on Saturday in the paper, was a commercial decision to not fight the legal action. The Quill Committee sit in a room and remove the Quill from Sam and then subsequently under the back of pressure reinstate it and now are in a position where the age is trying to actually complain that they weren't credited for it in the first place, which is the ultimate irony. Alongside all that, everyone involved really except for Mark Rusciuto has gone. Yep. And we want to talk about the Adelaide media role on this because this has all been driven by Melbourne journalists, Sam McClure, Caroline Wilson, Tom Morris, to a, to a lesser extent. First of all, Rue, tell me where you sit on his role as a football director. Oh, well, actually, I think you know my views on, on Mark Rusciuto. Well, we're, we're, we're in a podcast, don't we? It's not about whether I know them. Well, it's about what I everyone think else our is listeners in. know them too. Well, why don't you tell them again? Well, he's been very aggressive in targeting... Uh, the individuals concerned in the whole reporting of this story. And there's a Glenn Archer element to, to his time, all-time great footballer for the football club. I question the role and effect and manners of a of the role as a director of the football club. And, yeah, I, I would have thought that um, his time at the club as a result of this, after a long time at the club with other questionable decisions, might be up. Time to go? Time to go, Yeah. Yeah, time to go. It's a time for a fresh look, a fresh approach, and 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 certainly a, a different, um, maybe more empathetic approach to to the football director's role on that footy club. It'll be hard for them to move forward with the new footy buzzword, clean air, with him still there. Right? There's yep. There's a fractured ex player group, and ultimately he his guy was Brett Burton. Brett Burton was the decision maker. Yep. And they've got to wear it. Yeah, simple as that, isn't it? Yeah, and, I, and I, I, I would have thought so. I don't think I'm not one to call for and, yeah, people I, to stand out, yeah. and this is an honorary job anyway, so he's not going to lose any wage well, out of the, the role. I've said it, I know it gets sensitive when we talk about him and these things, but here it is anyway. Footballer, hundred out of a hundred. Yep, businessman, exceptional. Yeah, yeah, very influential businessman. Made a lot of money. Makes yep. good decisions. Yep, uh, person, great person. I was going to say, I mean, yep. people who know him will, will, will vouch for his uh, his person. Yes, um, footy director and his his ability to, to manage that in mm. um, media substandard. Yep, he he hasn't had a, a great off field impact as a director on that club, and his ability to manage that conflict with his morning radio has been poor. Well, I think it's it's um. Worsened the problem, particularly in the past. Well, it the problem every time. Like they, he spoke for a minute and eighteen last Wednesday, and would, was seen to be brushing off or wanting to move on, and it just put, but it made it worse. Yeah, it did. It did. did look, we'll bounce around. We've actually taken a lot of time to get to a couple of points here. Can I just today. Before, before we move off the crows? No, I, I want. I want to stay with the crows. Oh, yeah, because I, I, I think was, you I want to. I want to get to the Adelaide media specifically yeah. on this. Yeah. So. And this was put on the agenda by Michelangelo. We were going to put it on the agenda anyway, let's be honest, because it's a, it's a topic of ours, tribal media in a tribal town. Michelangelo Rucci on our own SENSA on the run home with Kimbo and Rich on SENSA 1629 each afternoon had this to say about the camp and the Adelaide media. And the protection racket line is, is quite challenging, and it will be challenging to a lot of people in Adelaide, particularly people in senior roles in media organisations who probably put commercial interests ahead of a social responsibility to make sure that they were asking the right questions. Now, it is staggering that most of the reports that were done on this camp and have proven to be quite accurate and quite meaningful were done in Melbourne and not in Adelaide. And I think a lot of people should be asking why. Why is it? that some media organisations put commercial interests ahead of their responsibility to be news organisations. 
So this does strike at the heart of what we've talked about a lot, which is the power of big clubs in small towns and the difference balance of power between media and club because of a greater reliance on them. Mm. And not only from a journalistic point of view, but also from the CEO or editor or committee. So tell well, me, there's a commercial attachment yep. to it all, yeah. So tell me your views on what Roach just said there. Well, it's hard to disagree with anything that he said, is it? I, I mean, and that, that club in that town, the only comparison, Hutchie, might have been uh, West Coast Eagles back in the late 80s when they came into the AFL and early 90s when they became the, the power. And in fact, it was probably more prominent when I think about it in the 90s when it was, hey, and if this was said to journalists, you're either with us or you're against us. You make up your mind. And and the good journos did what they always do, and, and others, I would imagine, Hutchie made the decision well, to, to be with. Ninety seven percent would be would choose the with path. I wouldn't say it's ninety seven. I wouldn't I would. thought so. It's an easier path. <laughs> it's an easier path, it but it's not the right path. Not the right path, but like it's not. There's not that many. Let's try not to use casual language there because I had to correct myself. There's not that many people that that live close to the journalistic, journalistic cliff as we've talked about. Yeah, there's five percent maybe maximum who. Yep. Dare to break a story and live with the consequences every day, and there's 95 percent that are, um, are happier to have a more measured approach. Yeah, to the, I agree with that. Whatever percentages there are, there's, there's in, more in the other camp. I'll I give you that. I don't but, sit in judgment of either party. I think no, because you can. Uh, I, I would say I was in the five percent, Damo, and I reckon I burn out as a result of it. And I'm not saying yeah. it was a better path forward than the 95. But even I within the in, even with you being in the five percent, and I would say you were too, Hutchie, There would have been times, times, examples where you chose not to for whatever reason, and, and that's the bigger picture so, decision you got to make. Yeah. So in the Adelaide market, like first of all. Um, Sam, Caroline, Tom, Brand, Tom Morris, and, and Tom Brown, for that matter, are all journalists of, nas- of national ability. So they're they're very good at what they've done. So the chance are there's not as many of those that live in Adelaide or live in Perth. So you've got to actually weight that into your thinking. But there's also just like a, a hunger factor that's missing in those two towns in particular about upsetting the establishment because of the reliance of those two products on well, that. Well, there's a cumulative effect to the reaction, isn't there, Hutch? You know, yeah. And I've I've experienced it um, for, for a short period of time when I was working in Brisbane. So I, I am aware yep. of this environment. And again, Brisbane was a, an outpost for AFL, but when the club you, itself turns on you in, in that small market... You took them on and ultimately won, but you had to leave town really as a result. <laughs> didn't a, you? That's, a, that's a fair summary. It was a coincidence that... that you would... No, you couldn't have done another three years there in the in the. Well, in the who knows? I mean, Lee Matthews walked into the place. It would have been a pretty good. In fact, how good would it have been to have yep. seen that period if through? That old, then, that, if that old admin had survived, you wouldn't have. If what? Sorry, if that old admin had survived at Brisbane. No, it was tell, I can hand on heart say that that was yep. separate. I'd already been discussing coming back to Melbourne prior to that. So yep. no, no, separate, unrelated issues. But but I'm I'm throwing it in the conversation because I can relate to what these journalists go through. So yep. I don't judge them. It's just that they've got to make a choice. Well, do you know what else happens? The the big clubs, when there's a big, a really established big name journalism in town, they hire them. But they've got a weapon to actually remove them from the market. You're very talented. You break stories. Come and work for us. We, Such as where? Well, Gary Stocks at West Coast. Yeah, I think it happened yeah. with Reese in Adelaide too, didn't it? Who was very good. There's yep. the chief football reporter. Yep. The like they go and hire the best people because they've got a, a greater ability to compete themselves against the a- Andrew Hamilton in Brisbane before uh, he's recently it, it left. Is a, a, it has been unspoken, but as a tried and true tactic from clubs, they go, "This guy is really good," or "This this girl, this lady uh, um, is really good." Um, here's a here's an opportunity to come and work for us on greater money, and and they they outbid the people that have been giving them the problems. 
Have you ever not noticed that before? Yeah, but it's, I don't think it's a common practice. What's happened in Adelaide? It's happened in Perth. Yeah, it's happened in Brisbane. It's happened in Brisbane twice, from I reckon. So yeah, that's anyway. It's it's a, it's a complicated one. And then we get naive views like Stephen Rowe and David Penberthy and Graham Corns, for that matter, <laughs> who hung up on me on Saturday morning. He hung up in the on middle you. of an interview about this on Five AA. He hung up on you. Well, hang on. He's on. He's hosting the show. He's yeah. got you on as his we, guest. We were in an argument about <laughs> this topic, and he's still of the crow's defensive mindset, and has, you know, at least he's actually what I what I, what I admire. He's staunch. He's, well, he's, a, a, he's stubborn. I don't agree, but he's and, staunch. And B, he's speaking to people. He's not mate, not sitting back. He's just speaking to the wrong people, I think. But he's he's speaking to people. So when we're in the, but he hung up on you on his own show. Well, he, here's how it happened. He changed topics. To, he took the next talkback caller in the middle of the argument. In fact, I'll play a little bit for you. Here it is now. If you think there's been full accountability from the club on this, then you're sadly mistaken. Where's the doctor's report? Why have we never read the, the, the doctor's report? Was table was was written, tabled, read, and supplied to the Professional Standards and Integrity Committee of, of the AFL, of which Linda Fellows, our Assistant Police Commissioner, is the chair. It was forwarded to the AFL, from which the AFL made recommendations. This is not a Victorian versus. Well, it is. Thanks for your call. So there you go. That's Graham <laughs> hanging up. And, I, you know, I take no offence to that. He just We're in the middle of a robust discussion, as they say, Damon. But it was the Vic Bias part of that that I wanted to talk about. The, the, the ability to, to suggest Vic Bias in a story oh. is, <laughs> yeah. is absurd in this situation. This is a national story where a club did the wrong thing. Do, do you think – is anyone really thinking, Adelaide, that, that had this happened to – Let's go with alphabetically. Carlton, Collingwood, Essendon, Geelong, Hawthorne, Melbourne. Does anyone really think that we wouldn't have covered it the same way? Well, it's the big bias you hear repeatedly. You hear it from Rowie, you hear it from Graham, and you hear it from, in this particular case. And it's, this is just – if Adelaide lived in Fiji, to be covered the same way. The Adelaide Footy Club, right? This yep. is this is a, a story that strikes at the heart of human behaviour, of 2022, 2018 living, of how you treat people, of respect, um, of – you know, trying to get an edge and it going wrong. It's a, it's, it's a, relatable to use your media term, isn't it? A, a, a yep. person who doesn't know football can relate to the behaviours within the it's, camp because they can then put themselves into that story and wonder what would they react if it was their kids. It's it's, a, it's the same story as Essendon, just less instances of than Essendon of malpractice and uh, it not being as big a story. But it's it's the same thing. It's a club trying to get an edge. Yep. Thinking it found a wizardry way no well, one not, else Not being done. illegally in a sports performance in And being perspective. blinded by the light of a premiership. Yeah, that, that, that's and, the driver. And, and yep. making a really poor decision. Uh, poor decisions. Uh, Ricky Stewart, famous NRL identity. Hutchie as a player initially and, and subsequent to that as a as a coach. Uh, look, I don't know whether some everyone is in Melbourne is aware of what he said on the weekend after a particular game. Coaching the, the Raiders, incident on field. Uh, with one of the opponents against his player and extraordinarily had this to say. Fisher-Harris taps, they're, they're accidents, you know, and, and in this collision game, I understand that. But, you know, where Salmon kicked Tommy, he, he don't on. And I've had history with that kid. I know that kid very well. He's, he was a weak-gutted dog as a kid and he hasn't changed now. He's a weak-gutted dog person now. Now, if that was an AFL coach, Archie, as much as there's a lot of issues with AFL clubs and administrations and, and how they're policed as well, I, I get all of that, that coach would not be coaching this particular round of footy, and I would imagine there'd be at least a two-week 
ban placed upon him yep. either by his own club and, 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 a, and a willing stand down for two weeks, maybe three. Or if that wasn't going to be happening, the administration itself of the game would have ensured that happened under its rules of bringing the game into disrepute. Those comments, I'm still staggered by them five days after the event. And your man, Paul Kent, the Daily Telegraph, who you like and defend significantly, he's had an interesting year. Obviously, he has had an interesting year. He's walked out on a radio station. Um, he's now doubled down on Ricky Stewart saying he did nothing wrong and <laughs> bemoaning those yesterday on... Oh, come on, Kenny. I, I, I can only defend you for so long. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm not aware of that. Yeah, so I read his story last night. So he, Andrew Voss on SEN 1170 Breakfast said that he should miss the rest of the year. I think Ben Fordham on 2GB said similar. And... Paul was outraged at the outrage. And because he's friendly with Ricky, he launched a spirited defence and said... I don't know how you defend the, that. The headline said he'd done nothing wrong. <laughs> how can you call a young... Oh, anyway. But, but, to, but to then, again, people Canberra saying been, there's a context to it. Canberra have been very quiet on this, haven't they? Where have they been? Well, again, we're talking now on the early Tuesday morning. This all, so this all developed today. It will develop, yeah. And, and there were developments last night. And, and as best I can be, Archie, I'm across the, the broad brush um, approach to it now. All the relevant organisations are looking into it as we speak. So, yeah, there, there will be a, a resolution to this story that we don't yet know. And, and, and rightly, the organisations are looking. But I reckon it would have been wrapped up pretty quickly. In fact, the, the coach himself or herself in an AFL sense would have stood him or herself down by now. I would have thought. It, it's indefensible, undefensible. Uh, yeah, it is. Unacceptable and, and needs to be sanctioned heavily with match bannings. And I think historically in sport, which is wrong, by the way, but there's people like Ricky who are so good for the sport and well-liked in the way they behave in the media. They get a discount based on their availability, accessibility to the media and the way they're covered. I'm sure that's part of Paul's thinking and reasoning as well, by the way. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't even go that far with, with that. I, I just he would, he would, He'd never said anything he doesn't honestly believe in. He just would believe that's not a problem in in that world. But I, it is. It is, Kenty. Hachi, well, are no... you that friendly enough? Are you, the, are you on such a friendly basis that you're a Kenty guy? Did I just catch that? Yeah. Are you on a nickname basis? Oh, we're not close, but you're we... on a nickname basis. We go back a little bit. Kent, why Ricky did nothing wrong? <laughs> opinion. I just <laughs> found it. Just read me the first line. <laughs> he said, uh, "The testament to Ricky Stewart and this character of his they try to break is that he could easily roll over and spew out the reasons for why he said." what he said on Saturday night, and watch his opinions change, but he refuses. He's made of stauncher stuff, which is how he got there in the first place. Yeah, we get all that. <laughs> what matters most to him today, Kenty writes, is, that, is what mattered most to him on Saturday night, which is his family. So to protect them today, says Damo's friend Kenty, as he believes he was on Saturday, he says nothing as the outrage piles on and when a few short sentences you can change it all. Let them bleat, Kenty writes. <laughs> all right, all right, we had enough. I know what Stuart said, what he said. I've well, known him for some time. We've been friends for even longer. Get this, a friendship that goes beyond the normal work relationship in this business where those on this side of the job are more often treated by those on that side like we live in a hole waiting for someone to hurt or cripple. The story was told in private with a request it would never go public in a conversation others have no business knowing. It makes it hard to defend a man when you can't give the reasons why, but that doesn't mean he should not be defended. He goes on to have a go at Vossi and... You can uh, make a point and you can defend Mark your family. Guy. I had to go Mark Guy, sorry, on Triple M. Uh, 
Hutchie, you can make your point and you can defend your family without using the phrase weak gutted dog. I would have thought, no matter what the circumstances are in that public sense. 100% you can. Yeah. And, but if you're a friend, as Paul has admitted, you can take a whole different lens, David. <laughs> While we're on NRL, Hutchie, we've uh, we've had a fascination now for a number of years with uh, Peter Volandis, who um, just clicks his fingers in the world in New South Wales anyway, seems to just uh, act and react. He's a different operator, Hutchie, in so many ways. He's transformed, revolutionised New South Wales racing to the point where Victoria doesn't know what's going on. He's also run a very, very unique way, the NRL situation. Now, Hutchie, with AFL particularly under Gillan McLaughlin's CEO time at the uh, at the helm, is very, how do I say it, Hutchie, very um, open to private conversations and, and will work with all stakeholders, almost never go public with any beef, any gripe. Not Volandis, happy to take on the New South Wales government over this stadium issue to the point where he is now threatening, and there's no resolution to this as we speak this morning, to taking the grand final away from New South Wales over the funding of stadiums that in his eyes is crucial to the, the future of the sport, which it's, that would be fair to argue, I think, if you're in his position. But the public nature of this, the public threats, I will take the grand final away. This is different style of, uh, of business, isn't it? AFL style versus NRL style. Well, I think, look, the grand final's not going to go anywhere in the short term. Well, how do you know? He's on record now saying he's going to take it away unless he gets what he wants. Now, I'm paraphrasing a a, a deeper conversation and a more complex situation than that. But that's what he wants to have as the outcome. And and I can't recall any time him losing a battle. So I think he's stubborn enough that if he doesn't get to a point what he wants out of this with Dominic Perrottet, the Premier of the New South Wales state, when yep. it comes to the stadium funding, and there's other probably other issues attached to it, but if he doesn't get to a point what he wants, I've got no doubts he will follow through because he will see it as an affront and a public affront, and I'm not going to be seen to lose yep. this one publicly. Well, he won't He won't this year. The, the game will be in Sydney this year. I do think it does put future grand finals right into play because if you lose, I'm not sure the exact number, but it's three or $400 million of public funding towards venues and stadiums, which has been committed to, I think, in, in the budgets. Is that right? But, well, but now it might be diverted? The, the NRL say... To the flood crisis? The, the NRL say they not only have a deal, but a contract on that's not signed on this allocation of funding to venues. Yep. The government say they've redirected that or uh, had a change of heart towards a greater need for it publicly. I noticed in the polls in the Sydney papers on where should the money go, which were written as if they were one or the other... The public said they should go to the, you know, the the public cause and not the yeah, not the sport. If their pitch is one v the other, that's an obvious. I would say the same. But I'd, Peter Valenzi would say, well, hang on, that's that's a separate issue. Like we had a deal here on allocated public funding, and yes, we agree there should be funding for those areas of uh, community concern. But that's from your other areas of funding in the multi-billion-dollar budget. So it's it's interesting. In fairness to the NRL, Damo. These are not the NRL is not privately owned. It's not like these venues are theirs and they're adding future wealth to themselves from it. Hmm. They're public venues run by a non-for-profit organisation to which the NRL benefits out of. Which use the, NRL, of the NRL benefits from use of the NRL is the second biggest beneficiary of them. The fan is the biggest on the weekend. A part of yeah, the like the fan parts with his or her cash on the weekend. Part of the Leichhardt yeah, Oval Stadium. I saw that. Uh, you couldn't actually invent that, could you? It was almost like they'd gone and 
Like it, it was unbelievably yeah. um, it was sad time. Scary, wasn't it? I mean, scary that, that could have been that could have been a whole lot worse. And these, and these venues are not at the standard they need to be in. So no, they're not, and haven't been, haven't been for some time. So so that's that's the situation they're in. And I think if they need to replace the revenue in future years, I reckon they probably will. So you know, the, I think the puts future um, grand finals very much in play. Yep. Hutchie, we talked about the age before. You dropped the bombshell with Sam McClure and the, the positioning over the the uh, commercial arrangements with, with all of that. Um, let's have a look at the Herald Sun just quickly as we uh, as we wade through this episode 27 of Series 7. Um, Swans say new buddy deal close. Byline John Ralph. Sydney believes it is close to brokering a new one-year contract for Lance Franklin. That was one day last week. The very next day... Buddy knows certainty to play in 2023. Um, John Ralph, Lance Franklin's put contract talks on hold until the end of the season. Fair difference in reporting 24 hours apart. Well, you know, I mean, it happens. It suits your uh, narrative to have a have a have a. Pop. It, ha- it happens. He, he didn't say he believed, did he? He said Sydney believes. I think that's fair and reasonable how he covered that. Okay. He said Sydney believes it's close. Did, that's it, Sydney's. Is, is it? Yeah, look, that happens. That happens. Absolutely does happen. Um, what about opinions? Do you, do you need to hold an opinion for a certain period of time? I, I think you do. In fact, well, to, to your own detriment as a journal, I, I actually think you've almost got to hold it right till it's you just got to say I'm wrong on it. We talked about this two weeks ago. You are staunch. You have a view. Your view is your view is your view is your view. You'll take it to your well, grave. I'd rather be that way because that way yep. you stand for something. Now, you're made to look silly yep. and you've got to put your hand up at some stage and say, yeah, okay, that, that, I, that's not working for me. I, on the other hand, not only change my mind regularly, <laughs> yeah. I actually admitted to you that I think it's a healthy thing. <laughs> Once you get more information. No, or, or to your case, actually, more money from a certain a position. No, no. Once, yes. Once you are in... Once you are aware of a greater set of facts and have had a greater time to digest them. And a greater set of financial numbers to have this opinion. I find that offensive. I don't find that offensive. You're entitled to change your view. Okay. Well, are you entitled to change it three times? Well, you couldn't actually have three different views on the same thing. You could only have one or another. What are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about this, Archie. Just, just this is Jordan to go. He went to Bali in the mid season, right? And and we all had as media a view on it, and we all reported it in certain ways. So, story breaks on a, on a particular Friday, which meant the radio stations came out on Friday night. Mark Robinson on Three AW's first take on on the Jordan to Bali moment. And videos emerged tonight of nothing too bad. Now, in this video, he's dancing and drinking with young girls. Good luck to him. Love to be there with him. Everyone would. Okay, so that nothing to see on the first viewing, first take, and that's the position on the Friday night. Monday, so what are we doing? Three days later? Yep. We've got, we've got 360? 360, yeah. Yep. But this take. I call him the dumbest player of his generation. Now, his parents might be thinking, who are you to say that? I'm looking at a guy who has enormous football talent, who keeps finding controversy. I saw okay. the Monday night. I, I didn't hear the Friday night has happened, but I saw the Monday night, and Robbo was really strong that his career was at Flashpoint at Collingwood, and, yep. and his whole football existence was... At risk, and so yeah, if, having played the Friday night, he clearly had shifted his view based yep, upon. And that, that's all fine. Based we, upon yep. greater knowledge becoming available. Yep, and then Jordan Ngoi has a few injury issues upon returning from Bali. Plays a good game in the most recent game last Friday night against Melbourne. Was really good, I thought. In fact, one of his better games for the year, and looked good. So you get to Monday morning, and in the Herald Sun, under the you know Mark By- Robinson byline, Jordan Ngoi is in contract limbo at. Collingwood and rivals, namely St Kilda, are coming hard. The Pies should end the standoff by putting back on the table 
a contract extension for their prize playmaker and do it now, not at the end of the season. Okay, so that's... But Dugowie's playing like a man invested in the team and the coach is invested in him. I suppose the situation has changed a bit, hasn't it? Well, he, he played a good game of footy, which he was capable of doing. Well, I think... I'm trying to defend... You make so, it harder for me to defend this. So, so nothing to see here. Move on, all you media. Yep. Three days later, disgrace. What do you call him? The dumbest footballer in the yep. modern times? And now signing now. Sign him now. Yep. All in the space of six weeks, actually. That is... Yeah. Look, I've seen a, a couple of different views. I, don't, I haven't seen too many of the three variety, but obviously he's putting a good body of work of football together, Damo, so your opinion can change. Again, on the back of the performance that he's putting in. Um, it's amazing, isn't it, how... Quickly, a performance of a sports athlete makes us forgive. Like it's all that matters, Hutchie. Like it, performance, fi- performance wallpaper, wallpapers over cracks so quickly. It's all that matters. We, we are so as reactive. much as we like to think we're there for the betterment of society and we're there to, to you know service needs. Yep. If you win a game of footy or you play yep. well within the game of footy, that's all that matters. If he'd been, it's quite Robo. Really invested in Collingwood, but for whatever reason, they weren't winning and he was getting 15 touches, even though he's trying his hardest. What he did, Damo, in June was a disgrace. <laughs> he needs to go. He needs to move. We are so uh, punitive, aren't we, in the way? We, all of us. All of us. All of you. All of you. All of you. All of you. The Mark Thompson, all of you. A um, couple of quick ones, Hutch, before we wrap up today. Uh, Mitch Catlin's someone you used to work with um, way back in your days at Channel 7. I, I recall, Hutchie, when I was working at the Sunday um, Herald the Sun. Good Fridays. And the Good Fridays. And I wanted to get to this because Good Fridays in, in Melbourne back then, and, and probably t- today to a point, but there was no newspaper. On the, on the day, but we would work in readiness for the Sunday. So what I'm saying is we would have the Channel 7 coverage of, you know, the famous, iconic telethon coverage for the Royal Children's Hospital. You hosted it one particular year, and I remember you spending hours <laughs> just <laughs> taking Mitch apart for, I, I think he was wearing a, a colourful pair of pants or a jacket or, or whatever it was that you were doing in your own little way. So you know Mitch, but, and the reason I raise Mitch Catlin's name today is because uh, he – unbeknownst to me, actually, was the private or personal advisor to Matthew Guy, the opposition leader here in Victoria. And stories emerged from the age to which Kay Elcon was referring uh, to before, had broken a story that that there was an email stream that uh, Mitch was wanting, now none of this was signed and we're not going into the specifics of the story, but wanted to be paid a bit extra in inverted commas, away from the official uh, payments scheme, and then we're not well, suggesting no, we're not a, suggesting an impropriety here, Hutchie. We're just relaying how the story is reported. But Mitch has now resigned from the position as yep. Matthew Guy's advisor and gone to ground. Well, it was the the accusation is that there was he sought to elicit hundred thousand dollars for his own media company, Catchy Media, with the inference being that that was a a, a clearinghouse, I guess for raising funds for the Liberal Party. And it didn't actually happen because Matthew said it never got to happen. He stood down. And And the email was sent to a very prominent businessman who's got a lot of racehorses and is well known in the racing industry. How that story got out, do you think? Uh, I haven't thought about that, actually. Yeah, You haven't contemplated that at all? I'm just trying to join the dots on the run. Yeah, so I don't know how... A rival of Mitch's? I don't know the, how that story got out at all. Is that what you're saying? Arrival? Well, hang on. You've posed the question and you're now looking at me in wonder, but as to how I don't have an answer for it. Who, who was it, Hutchie? I don't know how that story got out at all. <laughs> but what would you suggest? And so we're going to move on from that topic. No, 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 no. You to, wouldn't, no. To a new topic. But what I would say more broadly... Oh, no, no, no. Is if you are in 
if you're the leader of a party and you uh, and you have a disgruntled member of the party in your group who you know still in the still in the hen house. Oh, hang on. Then I think you got to be pretty careful with how you, whatever you whatever happens in okay. whatever you do. Are you saying? Are you saying that that Mitch might have put this out there himself? No, I'm not. And I'm, I'm glad that. Well, you, well if you're I'm not glad, saying that, I'm what glad, are you saying? I'm glad that you misinterpreted what I said. Because <laughs> if you're that, not, that, that buys me a little bit of cover. <laughs> anyway, no, but, but what are you saying, Hutchie? What would you? Oh, anyway, <laughs> could he survive this, Matt? Do you think he'll survive it? Oh, it's a shocking look for someone who whose whole being and, and, and presentation has been on integrity yep. and the rightful questioning of integrity of the of Dan Andrews. Do you think in 2022, I ask you this generally, do you think voters care as much about integrity in the way they vote now as politicians fear or think they do? Unfortunately not. Yeah. It should be the almost the starting point, shouldn't yeah. it? Do you, if, do you think the common many common voters vote for the lesser of the two evils? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. And, and all you, you can think do integrity is, gets in the mind of the voter, or is it long? Is it quickly gone? Uh, I, I think integrity gets in the mind of the voter, but you also, I, I think, and this is a reluctant acceptance of this, that while certain integrity issues get raised publicly, you almost know that whoever. The opposition is is also going to be doing the same thing anyway, yep. through through other mates that they've got and through other projects that they want to fund through the public purse, which goes on, Archie, and it goes on in front of our eyes, and yeah. it's, it's legalised. I, I don't know what has happened in this specific situation. Just to defend, Mitch has been in a lot of prominent roles around town, got himself involved himself involved in a lot of things, has run a good business. He'll be fine. He'll bounce back from this. So don't don't. He, uh, he's normally very vocal on a lot of matters, though, Mitch. I'm surprised because I'm really looking forward to we, – we laugh a lot, Hutchie, about so-and-so, so-and-so breaks their silence. Yep. I'm looking forward to Mitch Catlin breaks his breaking silence. his silence. silence. Yep. Yeah. Where, where will he break his silence, you reckon? And given he has been the, the, one of the most prominent uh, and most communicative person, people in Melbourne over a long period of time, the words Mitch Catlin breaks his silence are not something you ever thought you'd <laughs> see together in this one sentence before. So he'll be fine, Damo. Should, should, should you and one of your companies make a, an approach to Mitch the Brakey's silence, given you, you've got the connection with him from way back in the Channel 7 days? <laughs> sure, Damo. Why not? <laughs> um, tell me, actually, what happened last week? I, I, I'm not all across this. Um, I know I'm across the Glass Jaw Awards, which we've been announcing, and you and I have been nominated a few times this year. But we had the stinger for it, um, and there was a request, and I think you were – adhered to the request last week yep. to remove a certain part of it. What, what's happened here? Because yeah. the, the Brisbane Lions apparently played the new stinger. No, they did. So we <laughs> and we couldn't pick this up off a telly, but I heard it. When when the score was – so first of all, the glass jaw opener is inspired by Stone Cold Steve Austin's WWE entrance. Yep. Which was – you know, which when that, And the whoop-whoop thing, was it? See, that, well, that, that, evidently, that's, evidently that's my voice that Jane had taken from a previous sort of um, – oh. Um, mocking of the situation, and then added it into the opener. <laughs> that was your voice but, on that stinger. The whoop whoop, I didn't like, and I said to I sent Jane a couple of notes saying, "Hey, could, I know you might think I got better things to do right now, but the whoop whoop's getting to me a little bit." And Jane said, "I, I, I agree." And then we had some emails about the whoop whoop. So the whoop whoop's gone. <laughs> the whoop whoop's gone. <laughs> but on Sunday, when Brisbane kicked their fourth goal, and Brisbane, by the way, finally is an AFL club trying to put some entertainment around their product. Don't get me started on this, Brisbane. <laughs> Brisbane, They're trying to recruit Buddy Brisbane, Franklin. Brisbane and Sydney are playing music between goals. Now, not everyone loves it. I do. Then um, one of the you watch Brisbane's games now. They play "Take Me Home, Country Road." Well, no, they play the Gambler. On that, they used to. That was Charlie Cameron's sign off. 
Nat Edwards, who yep. I work with on AFL uh, Daily Hutchie, and you have another name for, um, she didn't like a country road. He listened to Nat on that and has now changed his tune, changed his song. Oh, really? Yes, so no yeah. more country road, John Denver. Well, they played it on Sunday, just not to his goal. Okay. And then after the fourth goal on Sunday, Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> and the glass jaw was played. Brisbane four goals to zero, and I hear what's that thing on the podcast playing in the kitchen? It was the Brisbane Lions and the Stone Cold Glass Jaw was music. Was it our stinger? It was. It was our Glass Jaw. So, whoever <laughs> kicked the goal, they had the choice over the song because I, I assume that they're like in Sydney they play Errol when Errol kicks a goal, you know, for the Australian Crawl song. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a simple thing, Damo. But how good is it that clubs are entertaining? No, I like it. So I want to. I'm sending out an invitation to the Brisbane Lions to explain to us if they can whether they are using. Surely it's not on the back of us, Damo. Surely it's just a wrestling fan. <laughs> well, I know that I don't know this because um, Charlie Cameron actually, I think, corresponded on his own social media account saying, I've heard the request from that. I'm yep. going to change it. So you can hear yeah. more on that on AFL occasionally, whenever it next drops. Every day, Hutchie, and going beautifully as it has been for 18 months. John M. Now, we're going to head to question, question of the week. Of the week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to DrinkWise. Vast array of options, Hutchie. We've covered a few in the main body of the sounding board uh, this week, as we've just discussed uh, many topics and many varied topics. We'll go with Gordon. No, we'll go with John M. on email. Are journalists and aspiring media personalities getting less opportunities than ex-players moving into media immediately post-retirement? Good question. I I don't think so, John. In fact, I would say... Good question. There's never been uh, more availability of roles in media than there are right now for those coming through. It is... We've been... Where where are the openings for for people? Because we get asked a lot. Where where, where would you suggest people head? If, If you were... Young and aspiring now, the pathway through is in the digital space and you need to be able to be multi-skilled in yep. digital. If you can- Produce your own work for write, stars. edit, produce- And you need to be host, able to- uh, Podcast. I, I would argue now, Hatsi, you've got to be able to present more than write. You need to write. Don't get me wrong on that. But that was once the the entree, wasn't it, into others? Just, uh, my advice is always the same to young people. Be as versatile as you can and you'll appeal to, yep. to more employers. And at the moment, there's a- you know, there's a a significant part of the industry hiring, hiring. So that, that's going to slow down clearly. But oh. and, and he's starting to slow down. But to, to John's point, though, Hutchie, uh, the the retired player still will ha- provide the gravi- the instant gravitas to a to a a commentary booth. Yep, and and a media presentation. Uh, okay. And I think to John's point that there is more the tendency now for for an organisation to go down that retired player path over the the non playing part of the it's probably product. It's probably not fair, but I suggest there's less ready-made media retirees coming through in recent years than there have been historically, and there's some obvious and brilliant exceptions to that, but that's a, so I don't mean to be um, a catch-all on that, and I think part of it is the way that the personality has been suppressed or suffocated from Correct. players for Correct. the most of their career. Correct. Yep. All right. Wider conversation, John. I, I think you raised a, a good point there. Hutchie's answered it a little bit differently heard, to myself. I heard a whisper mm-hmm. as we finished today that clubs were now on the back of our coverage of doorstops, starting to develop doorstop-specific <laughs> strategies, <laughs> and one club is working towards a, a blanket doorstop ban. 
I don't think it's on the back of what we discussed, Archie, as much as I'd like to go along with you here. I think they've had more policies. I think it's specifically on the back of us. <laughs> right, all right. Well, you claim it. We I'll haven't, have a- <laughs> We haven't really achieved much in Series 7, Episode 27 of any public importance. Yes, you have. You've broken bombshell stories. Um, other than we are influencing the doorstop movement. And just a shout out on the doorstop. Mitch Cleary, what, yep. he went into a very tough doorstop situation the weekend the Swans arrive in town. Yep. He's coming off the back of a really poor doorstop. <laughs> he was the first to admit. With Dusty Martin. Yeah. So he went to the next biggest name in the footy, the, the once biggest name. He'd sat down, he'd reviewed his tape with Jim Wilson during the week. He'd gone over his doorstop methods. <laughs> and he went into the Swans doorstop on the weekend knowing that Buddy was a big doorstop prize. Yeah. His first question and approach Better, but still needed some work. Second question, he straightened right up. And sometimes it takes you a while to work your way into the doorstop. I thought he's he's repeat effort because like door, being a good doorstopper is a bit like being Josh Kennedy on the lead. If you don't get him on the first lead, you got to lead again the second time and lead again the third. Double time. back. You got to double back. You got to choose. I tell you what, a defender. And I tell you what impressed me most about the Buddy Franklin doorstop. He did as you suggested last week. No, he got the grab, but but equally importantly, he was framed in. Yep. Framed in. He framed himself in. Fully framed he, in. He, he, he Danny Wilder himself in and <laughs> framed me in. He I said, think Danny Wilder retweeted our uh, promo of our show last week. Yeah. I think he did. <laughs> I heard from him too. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> he would have been getting out of the car with Damien Shaw and the cameraman who's seen him, seen him all <laughs> come and go. Yeah. And he would have said, Damo. <laughs> frame me in. Frame me in. <laughs> <laughs> so well done. It was, a, it was a better. He's still not at the level he needs to get to on the doorstops, but it was a, a market improvement. And when he goes over the tape during the week... <laughs> And looks at some of the uh, running patterns. I think you'll notice that he certainly a step forward. Yeah, you're an idiot, aren't you? Uh, episode 27 of Series 7. I think you've lost it at times on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise.